We are going to be back in the book of Ephesians this morning, so if you want to be turning in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, this morning we are going to be looking at verses 19 through 22, which will finish the second chapter of Ephesians. The title of today's sermon is No Longer Strangers in Jesus, uh, and the idea being that not that we were ever strangers in Jesus. I thought about changing that title because it seemed a little confusing. Uh, but that in Jesus, we're no longer strangers. Um, but, you know, since I had the slides already made, I didn't change the title. So hopefully the sermon will unpack the rest of that. So again, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Before we jump into the text, I'm going to pray for us this morning. Our Father in heaven, we do pray. Lord, speak to us this morning that the Spirit of God would take the Word of God and that it would affect our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would not leave us unchanged today, but that in your grace and mercy, by the power of your Spirit, through the working of the Spirit, through the Word of God, that you would make us more conformed into your Son, Jesus Christ, that we would be conformed in his image, and that the written, inscripted Word of God would conform us into the image of the eternal word of God who has taken flesh and dwelt among us. And so God, we pray that you would do that. We ask that you would do that specifically today, that you would help us to understand who we are in Christ. And that we would not let the world define us, that we would not let, uh, Lord, uh, different philosophies define us, but that your word would define your people. And that we would trust your promises and that we would believe in what you have revealed to us in the scriptures and through Jesus Christ. And so we ask that you would do this in Jesus' name and for the sake of your kingdom and glory, we pray, amen. No longer strangers in Jesus. Well, to be a stranger is to be an outsider. To be a stranger is to be somebody who's excluded, somebody who's not incorporated. To be a stranger is to be on the outside looking in. And when you're on the outside looking in, the worst part is not actually that you're not in. Right? If you're on the outside looking in, the worst part is that you're not actually in there. The worst part is that you're longing to be in there. That you want to be in there, but you're not in there, and so you feel excluded. And actually what you're feeling is the feeling of loneliness. It's the feeling of loneliness to be an outsider looking in. Author Norman Cousins once wrote this. The eternal quest of the individual human being is to shatter loneliness. In her Dear Abby column, Pauline Phillips stated this one time, loneliness is the ultimate poverty. Charlotte Bronte, author of the classic Jane Eyre, said this, the trouble is not that I'm single and likely to stay single. The trouble is that I'm lonely and likely to stay lonely. And finally, Pastor Paul Matthews in a sermon series that he did on loneliness said this, loneliness is not just the absence of people. It is the presence of pain, the pain of separation from God and others. It began in the Garden of Eden when Adam decided to choose the pleasures of sin and in doing so inherited pain of loneliness. 
As I look around Woodstock and the neighboring communities all around us, I see a world that is wrought and fraught with loneliness. I see people who are struggling, people who in many ways feel like outsiders looking in and they're trying so hard to fill that void. They're trying so hard to be a part of something and yet the things that they are trying to fill the void with continue to leave them empty and the cycle continues over and over again and that's one of the reasons that we wanted to start this church. That's one of the reasons that we wanted to plant a church is because we believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is the answer for our loneliness. That in Jesus, we don't have to be outsiders looking in. We don't have to be strangers who are separated from God and others. That in Jesus, there is an answer for the loneliness that all of us deal with. Which brings us to our big idea today. Our big idea today is that in Jesus, we are no longer outsiders, but we are citizens. We are a part of a family, and we are also a part of a holy temple. And another way to say that is in Jesus, we're no longer strangers. And so if you have your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to be reading verses 19 through 22, and then we're going to look into that. And so let me read the text, and as soon as I'm done reading the text, we'll have a slide that's going to break down a little bit of the structure of where we're going in the sermon. But the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter two, beginning in verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. And so as we look at the text today, and our next slide will have it, I believe, we're gonna see that the sermon's gonna be broken down into two major points. We're gonna see who we were before Jesus. Another way to say that is we're gonna, we're gonna look at how Paul here describes those who are outside of Jesus, those who do not find themselves in a living, thriving, real relationship with Jesus. And we're gonna see that that's described as strangers and aliens. And then the, the good part, after Jesus, who we are in relationship with Jesus, we're gonna see that we're fellow citizens with the saints, we're a part of God's household or God's family, and that we're being built into a holy temple in the Lord. And so we're gonna move on now to that first part before Jesus. We're gonna look at what the Bible tells us. We're gonna read again in verse 19. Notice what Paul says. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. And the implication being that before Jesus, we were in fact strangers and aliens. Before a relationship with Jesus, we were all outsiders separated from God and the fulfillment that is found in him. And so we wanna tackle that first word that Paul talks about. A stranger. Now this word would have been used of an individual in an experience of unfamiliarity. The, world could have, the word could have been used as somebody who was a stranger, somebody even who was coming and visiting somebody, somewhere that wasn't their home, lounge, home place, their home city. And so uh, I was thinking about, have I ever ex experienced that? What it means to be a stranger, to be somewhere you're visiting, it's not your homeland, and, and everything's just kind of different. I was reminded of a trip I took to visit my friend Moses, who lives in India. I'd gone over there to be a part of some ministry stuff that, ministry stuff that they were doing, and I remember, I remember being absolutely fascinated by the culture. I remember being a part of a large gathering that was going on, and as I watched 
What they were doing was beautiful, but I had no idea what was going on. I didn't speak the language. I didn't understand the customs. I was an outsider looking in. And my heart was longing to be a part of what they were doing. But you know what would happen if I would have stepped in there? I would have messed it all up. I had no idea what was going on. I couldn't speak the language. I didn't even know what they were doing. But there was that sense inside of me that I wanted to be a part of that. It seemed so fun. It seemed so full of life what they were doing. But I was an outsider. I was a visitor. I was a stranger. That wasn't my place. They weren't my customs and it wasn't my language. And this is what Paul says that all of us are before Jesus to God. We are strangers. And, and, and I was thinking about this too. Like, I don't think everybody is going, oh man, I'm an outsider of God looking in. We're gonna see as this unfolds, I think, the way that that loneliness, that position of being an outsider works itself out. It's not always in conscious like, oh my goodness, I, I'm an outsider of God. As a matter of fact, it's usually not like that. Now, when I was in India, nobody was trying to exclude me. It was a group of really nice people. But the simple fact is what, was that I was a stranger and that fact alone excluded me from all the benefits of what they were doing. Now, the next thing that Paul says is that not only were we strangers, but we were aliens. Now, this is a term that we still use today. An alien is somebody who is simply a resident foreigner. It's somebody who lives in an area that is not their homeland. We talk about this for people who, who have moved into a different country. They're not citizens of that country. They're called aliens. But I was, I was thinking about this. This can happen within your own country. Uh, for about five years, my family and I lived up in the rural mountains of northeastern California as I was pastoring up in the mountains for five years. And, and one of the places where we lived, that the two communities that we were a part of were about 350 people total. It was this small, tight-knit community. And if your name was not on a street somewhere, if they hadn't named a building or a street after you, the odds are is that you were an alien. We talked to people who had lived there for 30 years, the better part of their entire life, and were still considered outsiders looking in. If you weren't multi-generational, that wasn't your home. And so you were excluded from that like inner circle and the tight-knit group and what it meant to really be a part of that community. Whether it's a stranger or it's an alien, the idea that Paul is conveying is an outsider looking in. And to be on the outside is really a hard place to be. To be on the outside is the place of loneliness. It's the place of unfulfilled longings and it is the place of discontentment and pain so often. It's the place of exclusion from what your heart truly needs to be happy. And I think this is why it's so easy for us all to relate to this. Mankind has been created in God's image and we've been created by God and for God, for relationship with God. But as we heard earlier in the introduction, sin has separated us from God. And therefore, apart from Jesus, there will always be loneliness. Now, I said earlier that I think this loneliness can oftentimes be misunderstood. I think that this loneliness is not often, somebody says, you know what, I'm just feeling really lonely. Loneliness will lead us to many different things. And so I was trying to think of some way to convey that. So here's a story I remember from when we were living on the north coast of, uh, uh, in the west coast in California. Um, I, I had a guy who came to me and he was bragging to me that he had got invited to this party. Now, now this party was comprised of all of the business elites in our city. 
And he was over the moon that he had been invited to this party. He, he, he couldn't stop talking about it. As a matter of fact, he couldn't stop bragging about it. It got a little annoying. But he was so excited, and I, I started to think to myself, why is he so excited to be a part of this party? Like, I could care less. They had to dress up in, like, tuxedos. You can tell I'm not big on, like, formal attire. So I'm thinking, what does he want to do in this party? And here's the thing. He felt like an outsider in the business world looking in. And so for him to get an invitation to this party, it validated him. It made him a part of the group. Now, at the root of that was loneliness. I don't think he would have ever described it that way, but there was this emptiness inside of him, this feeling that I'm an outsider looking in, and the way that he tried to fill that void was by becoming a part of the business elite. But you wanna know something? It didn't fulfill him. Once he got invited to the party, he always wanted to close the next deal, make the next dollar, because now it wasn't enough to be a part of that group. He wanted to be a part of the upper echelon of that group. And then if he was a part of the upper echelon, he wanted to be the very best in that group. And if he would have got to that point, there would have been something else. And that's all to say this. There's nothing in the world that can satisfy needs for those who bear God's image to be in God's presence. Nothing that this world offers will ever satisfy the needs of those of us, you and I, human beings, who bear God's image except to be in God's presence. And that's what we need. And so I wanna think about this minute, this morning a little bit. What, what are some signs that we might be struggling with loneliness and trying to fulfill those desires outside of the Lord? Because keep in mind that Paul writes this to the churches Right, Paul writes this for believing Christians and he has to remind them, you're no longer strangers and aliens. And then he's gonna tell us who we are and, and what's implied in a statement like that is people are struggling with still feeling like an outsider. So what are some ways that we might struggle? Well, what about a consuming need to be accepted by your peers or the in-group? You ever feel like that or you ever see people who are like that? It's like, well, uh, so-and-so, this family is doing this this summer and so we've got to do this or maybe uh, you know, they're, they're going to be taking all these camping trips and they're in the in crowd so we've got to take camping trips or whatever it may be. They have their kids involved in these activities so I've got to get my kids in those activities and if I can do that, then I can be a part of that group. What about the need to be accepted, welcome into with your coworkers and bosses? I think for many people who are career people, this can be a big, big struggle, is that we wanna be in that in-group. We wanna be a part of those people. We wanna be welcomed and accepted in by them. Or if you're a student today, maybe it's a need to be accepted by your peers, your classmates, or your teachers. Or maybe it's a need to be accepted by and then you fill in the blank. There are so many ways. But here's the good news. Paul says that if we're in Christ, that's not us anymore. Look at verse 19 again. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, which brings us to our second point, who we are after Jesus or who we are in Christ. You see, through our relationship with Jesus, we're no longer outsiders separated from God and the fulfillment found in him. But as we're going to see, we're fellow citizens with the saints. We're part of God's household and we're gonna be a holy temple built into the Lord. And so notice what Paul says here, you're, you're fellow citizens with the saints. Now to, to be a fellow citizen is to be on the inside. Do you hear that language? 
strangers and aliens is the language outside. Paul says you're a fellow citizen with the saints. And to be on the inside, it's to be a part of the group. It's to be welcomed in and to have the same status and the same fulfillment that those in the group have. But I want us to notice something. Notice who your fellow citizens with. We're fellow citizens with the saints, which means that our loneliness will only be overcome when we, because Jesus Christ has brought us near, become fellow citizens with the saints. And who are the saints? The saints are simply those who throughout the ages, throughout the years, have put their hope and trust in the true and living God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The saints are, in short, those who have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Those who have a relationship with the true and living God, who by the grace of God, through the Spirit of God, now get to enjoy the presence of God in their day-to-day life. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have become a fellow citizen with the saints, which means that you enjoy all the benefits of being a citizen of the kingdom of God. You enjoy all the benefits of knowing God as Father and as having God on your side and for you because of Jesus. We know that God works out all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. But do you know what else it means? It means that you will not, cannot find your fulfillment trying to be fellow citizens with the in crowd or trying to be fellow citizens in your workplace or trying to be fellow citizens in your school. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't mingle with people, that you shouldn't be a part of the soccer team and all of this. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that when you're looking for your ultimate acceptance and where you're gonna find the fulfillment of your soul, it cannot be those places. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to excel at your work. If you're a Christian, you should try to be the best employee that you can be, the best employee that that office or workplace has. But you should not let it cross over the line to trying to find your identity and fulfillment in there, trying to take away that loneliness that way. You see, when we come to Christ, we become fellow citizens with the saints. Which means because of Jesus, you don't have to be an outsider anymore. Some of us have experienced that. Some of us have experienced what it means to be an outsider, what it means to be pushed away, sometimes by those we love, sometimes by those we want to be loved by. And either way, it hurts and it's painful. And you experience loneliness. But the truth is, is that in Jesus, your loneliness can be overcome. In relationship with Jesus, you can be a of God's heavenly kingdom and you can receive the full benefits of citizenship in that kingdom. But like we said, that means though, if you're trying to find your acceptance outside of Christ, it's gonna leave you empty. It's gonna be a vicious cycle of repetition that will ultimately lead us, leave us empty. So, Paul says that we are fellow citizens with the saints, which means we have become a part of the group who is near to God, who is in the presence of God, which is why, as we see the next slide, Paul can also describe those in Christ as a part of God's household. Look again at verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. To be a part of God's household, simply put, is to be a part of God's family. You guys remember in chapter one, 
Ephesians chapter one, verse five, it says that he, God the Father, had predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. And so we're no longer strangers in Christ, but we are sons and daughters, children of the King of kings and Lord of lords. To be in Christ is to be a member of the family. And to be a member of the family is as far from a stranger as you can get. To be a member of the family is as close as you can get in an intimate, personal relationship. Now the Bible makes it very clear the importance of family. The Christian worldview understands that the family unit is the most important unit in all of society. We understand that as goes the nature and makeup of families in the society, so goes the society. But the Bible does something else for us. The Bible redefines our ultimate family. When we place our faith in Jesus and are united to him and we become members of God's household, we become members of God's family, which means that our true and ultimate family allegiance rests with the family of God, the church, the body of believers who make up the church. This is why we had Josie read from Matthew chapter 12, verses 47 through 50. Remember this? Jesus is standing there, and somebody said to him, hey, Lord, behold, your mother and your brothers, they're trying to get in and see you. And and usually what would happen is that, that that family member would have that place of primacy, that they would have the ultimate uh, uh, place with that person. And so then what should have happened is that all of those disciples, it kind of should have been like the parting of the Red Sea, so that Jesus' mother and brothers could have walked right up because they would have been of ultimate importance. But do you remember what Jesus said? He asked the question, who is my mother and brothers? And then stretching out his hand to the disciples, he said, whoever does the will of my father... This is my mother and brothers and sisters. It is our relationship to God the Father. It's the fact that we have been adopted into the family and that God is our true and ultimate Father that makes the church family our true and ultimate family. But I think this can be hard sometimes. That idea of the church as a family and sometimes primarily the idea of God as Father can be a hard thing for certain people to grasp. And there are certain reasons why. Uh, one of them could be if, if you grew up with a dad who was anything but loving. There are so many people who I've talked to who've had abusive parents, abusive fathers, and the idea of God as their father, the idea of father to them is just a repulsive idea. They have a, a very bad idea of what a father should be. Or somebody who, whose father was never around. And, and then their view of God the Father could be sort of this absentee God who's out there somewhere in the clouds but doesn't care intimately and personally about them and that's not at all the picture that we have of God as our Heavenly Father. As a matter of fact, if somebody has had a, a bad experience with a father, I think it's all the more reason that they should embrace God as their father. Because to have God as your father is a gift. Think about it, to have a, a good father is a blessing. Now some people have had great fathers and it has shaped their life in amazing ways. But to have God as your father is to be known by, to be loved by, to be cherished and cared for by the creator and the Lord of all things. The one who is pure love. The one who works out everything, every movement of every molecule in the universe for the good of his children. To have God as your father is to have the greatest gift that any of us could ever receive. And so maybe you're here today struggling with that. 
And I would simply ask, pray. Pray and ask God to help you. Today, let today be the day that you embrace God as your Father. Let today be the day that you allow the Spirit of God that dwells within you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to teach you how to say, Abba, Father, how to come to Him. Now, Paul not only says that we're members of the household of God, but he says that we are being built into a holy temple in the Lord. I'm gonna read for you verses 20, uh, 20 and 21, yeah, and 22. There's three of them there. So remember, no longer strangers and aliens, but now we are fellow citizens with the saints. We are of God's household. And then in verse 20, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. I've gone through this passage a number of times, whether it's in seminary, I've preached through the book of Ephesians uh, uh, before, and I think every time I went through it, I looked at this idea of the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and thought primarily of the foundational teachings that they left the church, and they have. The foundational teachings, the cornerstone teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and just how critical it is for our life and faith. But that's actually not what this text is primarily focused on. This text says, remember, we're no longer strangers. We're no longer separated. We're no longer outsiders looking in, but we've been made a part of the group. And he says that this, this thing that we're a part of is a holy temple in the Lord and that it's began and built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And so what is Paul trying to tell us? He's not primarily talking about the teaching of these people, but the people themselves. He's telling us, and he's switching metaphors here. Hey, you're a part of the group. He says, now I want you to think about it this way. You're actually a part of this building, this temple. And remember, the temple was where the presence of God dwelt on earth. So that's mind-blowing enough as it is that we, the people of God, we get to become and be a part of the place where God dwells on the earth. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about that for a moment, that... There's a world out there in desperate need that their souls, what they're actually longing for and everything they need is to experience the presence of God. And so then you ask yourself, okay, well then where does God dwell in the earth? And the answer is right here. In you, in me, in the people of God. And what a great privilege that is. And what a great responsibility that is. Do you know what they need more than anything else? More than a raise, more than a new house, more than a new car, more than transportation to get from A to B, more than any of that. They need God and they need God's presence. And where does God dwell on the earth? Right here, in you and in me. Now, that's amazing that we get to be a part of that. But what Paul wants us to see is, hey, you're no longer strangers, you're not outsiders. He says, okay, you're a part of the group, fellow citizens, there's that imagery, now he switches gears and he says, you're a part of a building. And guess who else, Paul is saying, is a part of that building? Guess who is the foundation of that building that you get to be a part of? The apostles. 
the New Testament prophets, and Jesus himself is the cornerstone. You are a part of a group that includes not only Peter, not only Paul, not only James, the brother of Jesus, but the Lord Jesus himself. And so I started thinking about this again, and I remember because we grew up by the ocean, and so uh, I remember working for an environmental engineering firm. And we had to do some beach cleanups one time. Uh, and, and it was kind of cool. Like you go out there and maybe one day when we're helping clean up the beach, the mayor's there. So people are taking some pictures. This is before selfies. Okay, there wasn't even smartphones at the time. All right, maybe people had flip phones. I can't remember. But I thought about this. What if, you, what if I was doing a beach cleanup one day and, and I look out and right there beside me, Prince William and Prince Harry, like right there cleaning the beach. Not that they would be hanging out together. I'm not sure they're getting along really good right now. But then you look over and there's the President of the United States. Now you fill in whichever president you like so that the analogy works, okay? My point is, is that this is a story you would tell for a long time. You would tell the story over and over again because of the people who you were a part of this group with. You were a part of people that were influential. Uh, the President of the United States could be argued to have the most influence in the world. What about royalty? And here's what Paul's saying. You're a part of a group with the apostles and the prophets and with Jesus himself. Not only are you not an outsider, but you're a part of this tight-knit group, the saints, that includes the apostles, the prophets, and Jesus himself. It's an amazing privilege that we would be a part of this group. Paul is trying to help us see through the text today that we do not have to feel like outsiders. Paul wants us to understand that we can be a part of something larger than life and think if, if it would be cool to be a part of a group cleaning the beach because you were next to people who had influence, nobody has had more influence in the shaping of this world than Jesus and the apostles and the prophets. You see, the Christian church has transformed the nature of our world at large. And Paul wants us to know that we can be a part of that group. And then Paul's gonna finish talking about the fact that we are a holy temple in the Lord and a dwelling of God in the Spirit. This is actually bringing the biblical story full circle. And Steve alluded to this this morning uh, in our nine o'clock hours, he was giving his testimony that salvation, what it means to be delivered from sin. So remember, God creates mankind and then sin causes this fall so that humanity doesn't function the way it's supposed to. We're not fulfilled. We, we don't experience life the way we should be. There's this loneliness inside of all of those apart from Jesus. We have sinned against God. Not only do we, we bear the condemnation that we rightfully deserve, but a part of that judgment is that we just, things just don't go well. And part of that salvation, at the heart of salvation, is being restored into God's presence being back with God. And then at the heart of our, uh, what sin has done from us, for us is it separated us from God. And so you notice what Paul says, is that we are growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom, verse 22, you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Man and God dwelling together again. This is what it's all about. Now, because been created to find our fulfillment in the presence of God, loneliness is going to be rooted in the heart of all of those who have been separated from God because of his sins. And it's only in Jesus 
that we can find the answer to this loneliness. It's only in Jesus that we can be moved from outsiders to a part of the group. And again, guys, this is the reason that we wanted to plant this church. Because we genuinely believe that Jesus is the answer for people's problems. We genuinely believe that there is a world out there who is struggling from this loneliness, whether they call it loneliness or whether they don't. Whatever they may call it, they are searching to find fulfillment in their heart. That is the activity of loneliness, to search out fulfillment. And what we're afraid of is that though Jesus stands and Jesus is offering living water, that there are so many people out there who are drinking from empty cisterns as the prophet Isaiah says, that people are looking to find the fulfillment of their soul apart from Jesus, and it cannot happen. And so then as we look at what this text tells us, what they need is the presence of God. They will never find fulfillment outside of God's presence. And remember, we are those who have been brought near by Jesus, that we are a dwelling place of God through the Holy Spirit inside of us, and it is a great privilege, but it's also a responsibility, isn't it? We are called to be ambassadors for Christ. We are called to make Jesus known. But here's the good news. God has given us that spirit to help us with this. God hasn't left us on our own. And what God calls you and me to do is not to be the greatest evangelist in the history of the world. What God calls us to do is not to knock on every single door in our neighborhood, though if you want to knock on somebody's door, that's fine. Wear a mask, otherwise they might freak out. What God calls us to do is to be faithful followers of Jesus and then the life that we live following Jesus will testify to the gospel. If you're a faithful follower of Jesus, Peter tells you to be ready. That probably people are gonna ask you for an answer for the hope that lies within you. That if you're walking with Jesus, if you're finding your peace in Jesus, inevitably somebody's gonna go, what is it about you? And then you tell them about Jesus. All of that to say, sometimes I think we hear these messages, we hear that it's a great privilege, but it's also a great responsibility, and we feel like we have to do the work. But Jesus will build his church. All we have to do is try to be faithful followers of Jesus, and when we inevitably fall and stumble, we remember that his blood has been shed for all of our inadequacies, all of our sins, all of our failures, and that Jesus, because he is our greater older brother, he's there to pick us up, to lift us up, and to help us as we live this life trying to follow him, trying to witness to this world about who he is. And so with that, I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna pray that we would be moved by the Spirit of God and that Jesus would take away our loneliness and then we could share that with the world who's hurting. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that in Jesus we don't have to be strangers anymore. Lord, that we could be brought near by the blood of Christ, that we might know you, that we could be fellow citizens with the saints. Lord, I pray that we would seek to find our fulfillment in communion with those who experience the presence of God that we would not be looking at empty cisterns, Lord, but that we would come to Jesus for living water. Amen.